I even wrote down, I might get some hate mail, but he truly is R2-D2 2.0. T-Bar says, buzz mm. off! And that's when the blades actually leak. And yeah. that whole scene this, this... could have been deleted, in my opinion. <laughs> and he launches two missiles, which look like they actually finally kill off Mayhem and Switchblade. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80 screw skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble mobile armored strike command. Welcome, agents, to MassCast 60, which is part of Season 5 of the podcast in which we are reviewing Episodes 41 through 50 of the Mask Animated Series. Our focus in this podcast will be Episode 45, Spectre of Captain Kid, which will include our usual play-by-play commentary and audio clips mixed in from the actual episode. We'll take a minute at the dramatic halfway point and at the conclusion of the episode to give our critique and ratings using our 1 to 5 scale rating system. After we're given our review, we'll read back listener reviews and comments as well as reveal the results of our poll, which is posted at agentsofmass.com. As always, we cordially invite you to participate in each review podcast by simply finding the MassCast assignment in the right-hand column of our website. And you can also usually find it in our email newsletter when we remember to send that out. <laughs> and also <laughs> and also on our social media outlets. So from there, you can vote in our poll and then use the comments section to leave your review and thoughts. You can also watch our Google Hangout recording session live and on our YouTube channel. We typically post the link on social media before we record the podcast so if you'd like to connect with us and send us questions or comments while we record we'd love for you to join us Spectre of Captain Kid was originally broadcast on November 29th 1985 in the US and features Mask attempting to foil a plot by Venom to get their hands on the lost treasure of the pirate Captain Kid in the Caribbean Islands I'm Jason one of your hosts of Mask Cast with me, as always, is my longtime friend and fellow co-host, the Rodimus Prime to my Ultra Magnus. Transformers! Wyatt, do you have the touch, or do you dare to be stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I got this him on that the, one. This is the... End of the line, Galvatron. <laughs> I got oh. you on that one. Have you, I know you blitzed all over with Rediscover the 80s well, and recurrent events and um, rad retro stuff. So I'm going to ask you, uh-huh. you fell into the hype that was with the new 30th anniversary, was it 30th? 
It's 30th, yep. yeah. 30th anniversary Blu-ray uh, pre-order from Amazon. <laughs> yes, I did. Because <laughs> I, it's been a while. Well, it's been... This is like the first time that we've... Might have had an official release, or at least one that was... They've mass-produced for over the last five or so years. I remember going out to Amazon at some points and wanting to, like order the blu-ray or dvd and it's like a hundred dollars or some ridiculous amount you know and it's somebody's copy from 10 years ago um which i guess would be just dvd (laughs) i don't know when they started blu-ray but anyway seeing this from shout factory you know and shout factory are the ones behind the uh the official mask dvd release i was glad to see that they are giving transformers the movie the proper proper release on blu-ray they've they've remastered it or or uh, transferred it I, I don't know how that all works out to what they call 4k now which is like the top of the line digital you know quality uh they've done it with ghostbusters and some of the other movies um so they've done that for the blu-ray release and then the dvd is also they've got uh several special features on there New stuff, basically, new interviews for the 30th anniversary. And it's reasonable. I think the Blu-ray, which I don't know if the Blu-ray set, it's the Chromebook. So it's like a special, you know, uh, container. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, I don't know if that includes the DVD and the digital copy. Uh, it's 20 bucks right now on Amazon. And the DVD is only 10 at least the last time I checked it. Yes. And the DVD come with the digital copy as well. So, I mean, that's pretty reasonable for a re-release and something that, you know, I've longed to have in our collection, Transformers the movie. And uh, I was trying to remember exactly where I was when it came out. I I believe I saw it at our local uh, theater there in Clearfield. Uh, I could be wrong. No, Dubois. But I, I was it Dubois. Did we did we see it together? Uh, Do you remember? I I want to say I believe it was you and me, or it was uh me and our mutual friend. I don't remember what it was. I think it was you and me though. It might have been all three of us because I do remember seeing it in the theater. Uh, particularly remember the. Shark Decons and that whole scene where they, you know, throwing the guys in there and they're they're trapped in and trying to get out from that uh, prison. Gosh, it's been so long since I watched the movie. Uh, it hasn't been that long. I've watched it here. Uh, it was on YouTube for a while for free. And that's the last time I watched it, and that was probably maybe four or five years ago. Finally found it. I knew I had it somewhere. I still got the VHS. Oh, there we go. And I still watch it about once every year. Dang you. <laughs> so, yeah. I had... Huh? I was so mad. My my last job, uh, when I worked in Atlanta, I had that VHS copy, and I bought it Walmart or Target, one of those places, that same exact VHS copy. And I lent it out, and the dude never gave it back to me. I'm still pissed at the guy. But... <laughs> So I I can remember watching it in the theater. I was thinking maybe it was with you, and I, I couldn't remember 
exactly what it was. It but you know, that was that was an emotional experience for a kid. You're watching Optimus Prime die. Don't, yeah. Spoiler alert. You know. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, especially the, the new, the, I'll call them the newer comers, the new generation that has not seen the real Transformers. Uh, yeah, you you really, I still remember, you know, certain things etching your mind, right? You remember when your first car you drove or something? This right. is one of those that I still cannot, it's, it's, it's burned in my head, unless I get Alzheimer's. I think I'm going to remember this for yeah. a long time. And I remember when, when Optimus Prime is dying, going gray, you hear every boy, note I said boy, in the freaking theater. Yeah, I know. You hear the tear works going, and, I, and I'm like, and I, I'm sure I was one of the many doing it. But yeah. Thinking back sure on it now, it's like hilarious that we did that. But, you know, we were what? Uh, what year was this that came out? 80... Eight, it was 86, so we were... Well, you were 11, I was 10. So someone had to haul us up there. So, yeah. So yeah. we were... Yeah, we were pretty well... Yeah. We were... Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, and I, if I remember right, and again, I'm, I, it's been a while since I've kind of dove into the Transformers universe, but it, it was in between maybe seasons of Transformers, if my memory serves me correctly... It was. They, um, they killed him off so they could kind of start the next generation of Transformers with with uh, Rodimus, right? Right. And then there was such a backlash that they had to bring Optimus, Optimus back. back. And they even hinted in the movie, if you watched it, you know, obviously till the end, that, you know, the, one of the greatest robots in the world, Optimus Prime returned or something like that. And um, he, I still remember that episode vaguely that he turns white, ghost white, and then eventually he gets the colors back and yeah. it, it, it subsequently, like that same episode, maybe the next episode, that Rodimus Prime basically has sh- short circuits and says, I never wanted this in the first place. And he takes the, the Matrix out of his chest and tosses it. He transforms back to uh, Hot Rod and mm-hmm. goes, you know, peeling off wherever. But um, and that's it. That's crazy. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember the rest of the episodes. But yeah, this yeah. Act- this was like, ushering in of new new transformers so you got cup and ultra magnus and and blur and the rest of the gang you know uh galvatron and so forth the one thing i wanted to know and i'm sure if i just punch up imdb i'd find the answer but Mm -hmm. i've wondered if leonard nimoy still voiced galvatron through the rest of the cartoon instead of just that one time movie you know thing I want to say that he did not. He probably did not but because I, they had the, this was a big performance because you had Orson Welles, you had Robert Stack, you had Leonard Nimoy, Casey Kasem, which he'd been there throughout most of the Transformers anyway. Um, yeah. Scatman Crothers, Eric Idle. I'm cheating. I'm reading off the thing. Um, Judd- <laughs> well, I I was over on Shout Factory just looking at the uh, what they had over there. And Nimoy was billed, I think, maybe second on that, you know, as as being in the movie as Galvatron. And that was a big deal. And he, then uh, Orson Welles is the, the... If you look at the box, he's actually Unicron. billed as number three. You have Eric oh, is Idle he? is one, uh, Judd Nelson, Leonard Nimoy, then Robert Stack, 
Lionel Stander, and then finally Orson Welles. Yeah, Judd, uh, Judd Nelson was billed first, I believe, in the trailer. He might have uh, been. So, it, yeah, I mean, still, I mean, you, this is uh, this was a big deal. You know, there were several of the original characters, I would say, that are, like, killed off. So, you see, uh, that's why they kind of brought in these big name, well, mainly voice big actors, name, right? uh, actors, voice actors, yeah, yeah. Uh, to to take over and to uh, to kind of push it, you know, forward into the next seasons and such. But yeah, I mean that was cool. Not nowadays, you know, it's <laughs> all of the the big name movies have to have the the A list actors to voice the characters. So it's I don't know. Maybe it was one of those that was one of the trendsetters, I guess, for those types of movies. You know, theatrical Holy releases. Cow. But so I'm looking anyway. at the, I'm looking at the the cast right now, and I didn't realize mm-hmm. I should have. Michael Bell seems to be all over the place. Here he is again. He's in the yep. movie. He played Prowl, Scrapper, Swoop, and one of the Junkions. And then I have to dig in this to this guy because I think he is the same guy. I'm sorry, you got me on a freaking rabbit trail. <laughs> well, it's it's the time since that uh. I want to say that Blu-ray set comes out September 16th or something like that. So you can pre-order on Amazon and Shout Factory right now, and then they'll ship it to you when it comes out. I was right. I was right. So he played, he was um, Jack Angel. He played Astro Train in in the movie. He also voiced in Voltron, King Zarkon. As well as Commander uh-huh. Yurik and Cossack and you know bit pieces, I thought he was in Voltron, and I couldn't place which voice he was. Nah, uh-huh. so that's that's what I thought. It's like it's like Voltron meets Transformers here. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. There's a lot of those that crossed over, oh, yeah. but well, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on with our property. You didn't say it and, right. Uh, let's transform and roll out. Let's get our mask on. Get your mask on. <laughs> Okay, well, it's hard to put in uh, two months worth of uh, <laughs> stuff here for Get Your Mask On like we normally do, which is our, for those of you new to the show, it's our essentially mask news segment. Today, Blue Comic uh, from IDW, the, uh, the prelude edition to the series was released and is now available for free if you want to go over to IDW's website if you've got a account there, you can download it for free. You can also go over to, I believe it was comicbookresources.com. They had all the images of the pages over there. I think it's like 24 pages, something like that. I dove into it a little bit. It's mainly just snippets of probably the first maybe one or two issues. It might be just the first issue, but it's not really cohesive <laughs> as a comic in itself. But uh, we got an awesome look at uh, Miles Mayhem in several different shots uh, in this prelude. And it seems he's going to be one of the main characters, at least in the first issue, uh, as you know, the mask team finally is brought on board. But this is going to be pretty cool. I, I also had a chance, uh, one of our friends over on Facebook neglected to put his name down, but uh, he motivated me one day last week 
to uh, to put a little buying guide together. Basically, now that you're able to pre-order the Revolution comic, and basically from a mass collector's point of view. So obviously, you've got the there's five issues of the Revolution going to be released through September and October, maybe the first week of November. Going to be one special issue that's like the mask origin or their their point of view as it relates to revolution so there's basically i think six there's five issues in revolution and then a mask issue separate standalone that you'll be able to get and then there's several several variant covers i've tried to log those in mainly for a mask collector that wants to get all of the variant covers that feature Matt Tracker and some of the characters. There's going to be a few of those. Uh, there's another one I just saw today that was special to a, a, a comic book store that they're doing. Uh, and it had Matt Tracker and snake eyes on the front and be several different variant covers. Some of them they're offering for pre-order, some not, but, uh, if you want to head over to agentsofmass.com, our very last article that I posted, just sift through there some of the information. I've also posted a few stores, online dealers that you can pre-order the comic through. But I, you know, as we said before, uh, we are really wanting people to go to their local comic shop and subscribe, you know, to the series, and then eventually subscribe to the new Mask series that comes out in November. So. Lots of stuff going on in the revolution world. Uh, I did want to also pass along that I spoke briefly with Bill Higa that we interviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about a month ago or maybe a month and a half ago, who was trying to put together this, uh, the voice actor reunion at, at San Diego comic con. And unfortunately it didn't happen. Um, I was told that simply something came up and they had to cancel so that was kind of a bummer, but Bill did say that he is looking into some possibilities of trying to get them together in the future. So even though it didn't happen, like we were hyping and, and, and wanted to uh, essentially fund over on Kickstarter, I don't think that reached its goal either, which was kind of disappointing, but um, trying to get the voice actors together and do you know some other kind of event uh, in the future, but, um, we'll try to keep an ear out for that. If something like that does come up because, uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested (laughs) when they get together. Also wanted to give a quick shout out, uh, Neil Trevet from the UK. He reached out to us on Facebook and said, he's been a listener for three years now, and he's a huge fan of what we're doing in the community. And I really appreciated him saying that. So Neil, we thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Um, I've been glancing through what I've been seeing and um, I'm, I'm going to pose this question openly because you and I have been talking behind the scenes for years about our movie. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to start getting a feel whether our movie hits the ground or not. I wanted to get a feel from the audience so it can be, Anybody that's on watching us now, or even we can you can Facebook us later, Twitter, whatever. I want to start seeing what people's mindset would be if we threw out an idea for some of the vehicles. So today, actually, I don't know why I 
I was passing the vehicle. So I came up with the idea of, uh, I want to get people's take on what a spider, those three-wheeled spider motorbikes you see on the highways now. I saw would, one the other day. What vehicle in mask, if we were to update it for, for current, which classic vehicle would that best suit? Would it best suit a, a replacement for Condor, Piranha, or Vampire? So I'm kind of wanting to field that out and try to start start a little buzz, just for even if it's just for fodder. I want to see what people's reactions are to that. I see the thing. I saw one. It might have been last weekend, and they're pretty. When you see them coming, you're like, "What in the world is that thing?" Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because it's you know it's not quite the size of a car, but it's. It's not a motorcycle either. It's not a. It's not even one of the three wheelers. Uh, no, it is a three wheeler, just backwards, really. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just your typical, you know, motorcycle three wheeler. It's. It's. I don't know. It's beyond that to me. Thinking about Piranha, I've always found it kind of weird how they would transition that sidecar. You know. Right. And those. Uh, what do you call them? Those three wheelers uh, you're talking uh, about? Some of them are called uh, spiders. Spider. Uh, Can Am makes one. I just that's the one I saw today. I don't know what its actual name for that vehicle is, but um, they're like two seaters, though, right? Up yeah, front. Uh, well, there are some that if it's the spider, I think they're a two seater. There are some that are really small. They're mm-hmm. actually just a motorcycle three wheeler. That's all it is. It's a single. Yeah. You know, just, uh, just yeah. has a motorcycle seat. Uh, right, right. So that's that's that the one I'm the, thinking of. I'm not thinking of the Spider two seater car. So forgive me if I'm not explicit enough. Uh, uh, but I'm thinking more like the actual motorcycle, three wheeler, whatever. And wanted to see. Yeah. Well, your take. What would you do with it if if that was an option to modernize our mask vehicles that we threw in the movie, which we did include Piranha and Condor. We did not put uh, Vampire in the movie just yet. But yeah. Um, just kind well, of want to I, get people's take on it, including yours, obviously. I would definitely vote it for Piranha, and maybe even that larger model where there is a second seat, and somebody else could, you know, ride shotgun with racks. Right. So that's my take. <laughs> I, it's a good question, though, because I I think about that all the time. I can definitely see a boat coming out of those four door Jeep Wranglers that they make now, you know, I see them, but I'm still, I'll be honest. I'm still the classic guy. Um, I don't think the standard two door Jeep Wrangler, the little shorty is quite sufficient, even though that's what they make it out to be on the cartoon. I think the longer bed, I used to call them scramblers back in the day and that's dating you and I's age right there. (laughs) <laughs> but they were the the longer I call them. The, they're really the longer bed. I think that would be more suited for a gator because it's a little bit longer. You know, you get the. To me, yeah. I would think there'd be enough yeah. space to put that. Um, uh, whatever you call the the, what's the bombs in the back? I'm trying to think of it. Depth charge, yeah. But to answer my own question, I was thinking about it today because I passed the thinking bike. I'm like, I think it could be either one or the other. It could be a a good replacement for piranha or a good replacement for vampire. And we'll see what vampire is. If you haven't watched the episode yet, take a look at it and see what vampire looks like. But I thought it would be one of the two good replacements Mm -hmm. since 
we see that vampire is actually like a little jet. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I, I definitely wouldn't change Condor. I think it needs to be just a straight up crotch motorcycle. Rocket, yeah. Crotch rocket, yeah. Just a just an updated one. But good question. Good question. And uh shout out to Philip Gibson who uh is one of our viewers tonight. He posed the question, Are you guys totally pumped for the new mass comic coming out from IDW? I would say yes. I'm pumped for pretty much anything at this point, but right. You know, seeing seeing how that integrates with the other properties in Revolution and then of course this solo series too. I'm still wanting to get Brandon Easton to come on with us in the near future. I've been kind of waiting to reach out to him just because I wanted I wanted to wait until maybe we got a shot of some new vehicles as well. And um, he's teased, uh, there was a teaser not too long ago, uh, one of the images from the inside the books with the, the agents with their masks on. So he's been out there. I found uh, Tony Vargas on Twitter, who is the, uh, the main artist for the comic book, the mask series. Um, he's out there on Twitter. So, Keep a watch on him and on Brandon's page. And of course, Tommy Lee Edwards is doing the covers and some of the variant covers. Uh, he's released some stuff on his Twitter as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I want to get, <laughs> I want to talk to Brandon. I, I want to see, uh, see another teaser. I'm sure. Well, we've got, you know, still three months before the mask comic itself comes out. So maybe we'll get him on in the next month or so and he'll tease us some more and really get our wheels cranking on, uh, on, you know, leading up to the release of the series. But, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in, Philip. And, uh, I say we get started with the show. Are you ready to go over to the Caribbean? I'm ready to start the mask cast. So we quickly fade up on a castle and then are taken to uh, basically an island forest where we see Matt, Hondo, Scott, and T-Bob with Scott in disbelief that he is on the same island and it makes him feel like he is Captain Kidd. Now T-Bob just can't help himself, obviously, and points out that he is a kid, which is received with a very simple, uh... <laughs> and that's I was like, yes, we he finally knows how we feel, you yeah. know. <laughs> so Scott uh, Scott's finally on our side. <laughs> with these puns. Matt states that these islands are rich in resources with Hondo stating that with Matt's help and tens of thousands of millions of dollars, um the <laughs> islanders can develop them. Look everybody, that must be Captain Kid's bottomless treasure pit. Indeed it is, Scott. To this day, no one's ever reached the bottom of it. Or found the treasure, supposedly buried there. Suddenly, we see cannons erupting with the team intrigued, thinking it's maybe a celebration. Then all of a sudden, we see all these impending cannonballs just raining down on the team. So Matt shouts, take over, obviously. And then Scott kind of queries, you know, what kind of celebration is this? And Matt replies, well, it's not much of a celebration when you're the target. So the T-Bob is still running out in this, which 
should be no surprise by now. And he's dodging all these cannonballs while he's joking. And then all of a sudden the cannons just cease. So I, um, the jokes are starting a little too early for Mm -hmm. my taste, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'll call it a little interesting, but I haven't been drawn in just yet. Yeah. And I think Matt even says at the end of the scene that uh, they need to look into this, you know, the cannons haven't been fired for 300 years. So he, you know, ready to solve the mystery they're trying to lay out. So we head back over to the fort there, and Matt is questioning these, I called them guards. I don't know what you call them there, who uh, are at the fort. Are you trying to tell me no one fired those cannons? Oh, I swear to you, Mr. Tracker, I'm as confused as you are. The cannons went off all by themselves. Those cannonballs almost gave me a flat top. And a free shave. Well, I can understand why you're upset, but this is not the first time the cannons fired by themselves. This happened before? Last night. People are beginning to believe it's the work of Captain Kidd's ghost. Of course, T-Bob is frightened by that term, and Matt explains about the real person who, you know, pirated the gold, and he used the garrison as a hideout before the British Navy ran him off. Matt then asks these guards to look around, he uh, opens up a cannon, and he finds gunpowder. And Hondo suggests uh, maybe they used a remote detonator, which Matt agrees could be possible, but suggests taking a look at the cannonballs back on the uh, Captain Kidd's island. And now we get our first look at Venom, who is uh, on the beach, and Mayhem says his plan is working like a well-oiled machine, like it Usually does to start, I guess. <laughs> we got Dagger and we've got Floyd Malloy. First shots of him. Mm-hmm. They're stacking up these cannonballs while Vanessa tells Mayhem not to count his money yet. Ghosts, Captain Kidd's ghost hasn't fired all the cannonballs they need. And of course, Mayhem, he's overconf- overconfident about the plan and suggests that this is just a, a petty thought that you know Vanessa is having about right. it. Uh, boy, he expresses that these cannonballs are heavy and asks why Mayhem isn't helping. <laughs> Mayhem, he gets angry and he says, Because you work for me. Just don't want to do all the work and wind up with nothing. Boy, you're a sponge brain. Every time you got a job, you think someone's out to get you. He's right. You're a paranoid, Malloy. That's paranoid. Now put that cannonball down and finish up so you can get back to the garrison and reload the cannons. <laughs> you told me to put the ball down. Not on my foot, you idiot. <laughs> I'm glad you find this amusing. She says, uh, collecting cannonballs isn't exactly a tropical vacation, and Mayhem tells her that's what you think. And then we cut back over to the mask team. Right. We see Thunderhawk landing and the team getting out. And I, I actually like the sound effects here with the animation, mm-hmm. obviously, of the doors closing on their own. Hondo, grab us one of those cannonballs while I set up the computer. You bet, Matt. Scott suggests playing pirate with T-Bob saying, aye, aye, and asking, where's the corn on the cob? 
Scott, as well as I am, is very perplexed at that sticking question. And T Bob answers that he's going to sell it for a buccaneer. But I'm bump. Just for that, I'm going to turn you into a cannon. Cannon? I got an idea for a super cannonball. Honey. And of course, T Bob says, uh, When do you call a pirate honey? And this banter <laughs> goes back and forth. And basically, Scott finds a nest and takes the nest off and cracks it open, gets this honey, turns it into a ball, and then puts it on the sand to, I guess, keep it congealed. Uh -huh. And then launches, he has T-Bob open up his top. And you see this tube now in his head, which I didn't know he had some kind of missile launcher, cannon, whatever in him. <laughs> He has but, whatever he uh, needs. Yeah. Pretty much. And we learned that later on too. So Scott throws it in the tube and it launches out and it sprays all over them. Oh no. I'm going to oh, have to fine no. tune that thing. Now the swarm of bees are all pissed off. They are out you know, <laughs> looking at him. Tebow can't help but saying that he bumbled things in more ways than one. And the duo end up running away, diving into a, uh, I would call it a pool of water. The swarm seems to hover for a little bit until the duo resurfaces. And then uh, T-Bob, this must work. It works in cartoons, right? So T-Bob says, mm -hmm. buzz off. And that's when the bees actually leave. And yeah. that whole scene this, this... could have been deleted, in my opinion. <laughs> I was just going to say that. It was just a sidebar that interrupted the episode, you know, and there, there was an episode that, 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 like, <laughs> oh, I got my comments. I'll leave them for now, right now. Granted, they, they interact with the end part of the episode in this fashion. So that's why they had to set mm -hmm. it up. But yeah, I mean, it was all about, all right, well, let's go get a cannonball and set up the computer. And then we had this whole, you know, several minutes of just these guys. And then now we, we kind of head back to where we were going. So it just, it like, like you said, it just felt like either it could have been shortened or somehow worked into the episode a little bit better, in my opinion. Right. So um, we're back to actually Hondo and Matt. Hondo states that the cannonballs have all disappeared. And this is when, Basically, just adds to Matt's questioning of the whole situation. Mm -hmm. uh, Scott somehow is overhearing this conversation from the distance. He shouts that he found one. So they are looking down at the bottom of Split and they see half of a cannonball. Well, at least there's half a cannonball left. Look, somebody made steps. They weren't there before. T Bob. How about fishing that cannonball out for us? Sure. Captain Hook to the rescue! And that leads us where we see uh, another addition to T-Bump, which I actually like. But I'll let you introduce it. Yeah, he. I. this was unexpected, uh, but it was actually a pretty cool feature. He has these two, I'd call them grappling hook ropes, that shoot from his back, and they wrap around these palm trees. He's basically using those as a support when he 
winches himself down into this hole. He says that this job is the pits as he's <laughs> down in there. I rolled my eyes at that one. He lowers down to the where this half a cannonball is. He tries to pry it free and finally does, but gets himself tangled upside down as he's trying to pull it out. Scott reminds him not to drop the cannonball because there's no bottom. Thank you, Scott. Matt decides to climb down these makeshift steps and try to help T-Bob and get him untangled. Now I'm footloose and fancy free. See you later. Well, T-Bob, looks like you caught your limit. Hurry up, Dad. I'm coming. As he's reaching up, he grabs a loose rock or something, Mm -hmm. and it falls down the hole into some water. So much for bottomless pit. Right. Um, Scott cries out, uh, but Matt says he's okay. And then he goes to reach up again and to finish climbing, and he notices a hole. And about that time, he gets blasted with salt water. He thinks the ocean tide is coming in and putting pressure on the walls around this hole. Uh, as the crew above continue to look on, more bursts of water start filling the hole with one finally hitting Matt directly and knocking him down the shaft of the hole into the water. And now the hole pretty much fills up to the top and Scott is frantic. It's not coming up for air. You can't stay down much longer. And about that time is when we fade to our dramatic commercial break. So with, uh, Matt lost down the hole without his scuba gear or spectrum <laughs> or spectrum or anything. Yeah. Uh, how, what, what do you, uh, what kind of rating and what, what did you notice in the first half of the episode? I like the suspense of the cannons firing on their own was a little bit intriguing. Obviously I liked the sound effects and, and Thunderhawk doors closing. I actually liked the grappling hooks for T-Bob. It was actually a good ad, but also because I I like Knight Rider and I like the grappling hook feature on Kit. So, you know, it was a good plug. Um, <laughs> for me, the, the plot seemed a little vague. I realize they're going after gold. Got that. But setting it up to me was all vague, the whole scenario. Um, usually there's a little, little more... Uh, it's usually put, put together a little bit better or we don't even know what the plot is until well afterward. This is so vague for me. So that took it away for me a little bit. Um, I know that they're looking for the treasure, like I said, but this, the, the, this storyline just didn't grab me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we pick on T-Ball quite a bit and I'm usually quite conservative with him, but this time, yeah, he, he, he needs to be fired or something because this was way too, <laughs> way too much. In in the first eleven minutes, this was way too much. The looking down the cannon moment that we see uh, when Matt is investigating, what mm-hmm. was that for? I don't get it. That was not needed. <laughs> we saw that the, and I know we we find a conclusion to this why this scene was set up, but if you're watching it up until the eleven minute mark, there was no purpose for this honey ball shooting scene whatsoever it needed to be cut we could have had more drama we could have had more action we could have had vanessa heckling miles more it would have been more entertaining (laughs) um but it was just pointless 
the suspense of Matt falling was okay. It was a nice ad. Uh, and, and for me, it was kind of like a good ad. Like we saw, mm-hmm. it was early on. I'm trying to remember which one it was where Matt was plummeting out of the, out of the restaurant without well, a spectrum. So it's nice to see that he doesn't have his precious equipment to save uh, him. That was the uh, counterclockwise caper. Yeah, that's what it was. So, <laughs> they were in Vegas. Yeah, so it was it was cool to see him helpless. That's the best way to put it. He was helpless. He couldn't do anything about it. He was just stuck. So, mm-hmm. but overall, there was just way too many problems with this episode. So I'm at the moment a three. I'm giving it a fair shot because I was really I was ready wow. to give it a two. I was ready to give it a two. Wow, and already. I'm like, and I'm like. I'm not going to fault T-Bob that much. So I got to give it three and see where this goes. So yeah. I, I will see now we're going to maybe vary a little first bit. Ever. At least the first half of the episode, I was, I was a little bit higher, a lot higher actually than you were. <laughs> I only pulled it down a half point and that was because it had been a while since I watched an episode, but I thought the animation was a bit, it's mainly the facial expressions sometimes mm-hmm. of Matt and Mayhem. And I know it's difficult to show depth, like on a 2D animation, but Matt looked like he was about seven feet tall when he was climbing down that hole. He did, didn't he? And that, that kind of bugged me. So, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to, to you know, take a, uh, some different angles and approaches for this episode, but the animation didn't stack up to me with what I had remembered, you know, at least even in the season. Right. Um, like you, I, I like that we had a new T Bob feature. Um, I, I even wrote down, I might get some hate mail, but he truly is R2 D2 2.0. <laughs> I mean, Pretty he's much. got so far, you know, we've, we've seen rocket boosters. We've seen this winch. Now it comes off his back. We've seen his arms are like inspector gadget. Um, headlights, camera, and then he's got the motor scooter, you know. And don't uh, plus, forget, he has that cannon inside. He's got ample storage for your leftovers after visiting your favorite Italian restaurant. So, uh, <laughs> come on, who wouldn't choose him over R2-D2? Uh, okay, maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I've you're lost gonna, my you're mind. You're not going to get one. the hate mail. I actually like, as annoying I, as the character is, I actually like T-Bob. I think he's more functional than R2-D2. And that's where I'm coming from. Well, that's where I'm coming from because really nobody in their right mind would choose T-Bob over R2-D2 mainly because of all the stupid jokes and you got to put up with all his crap. So you're you're not going to choose him. (laughs) But as as far as functionality... Yeah, but at least I can understand T-Bob. He speaks English. Not... not, (laughs) What the hell is that? That's true. Anyway, maybe all that's, right, so maybe that's that was, why I never got into Star Wars because I couldn't freaking understand R2D2. So I'm going to go up to the line of having to put up with T Bob's jokes <laughs> and choosing him over R2D2. But anyway, um, I enjoyed the drama. I thought anytime you put the main hero in danger, it's it's a good drama, right? And they did that with Matt, and you know, you see this. It's almost like a little. Uh, typhoon, you know, going in this uh, hole with the water and stuff. So you're like, he's getting sucked down. He's never going to make it back up. Yeah, uh, I identified it as a whirlpool. 
or yeah, Whirlpool. And I kind of liked that we got a, a little bit of taste of the plot, but we still had a lot to be revealed. We knew that Venom was using these cannonballs for something, and we knew there was some kind of treasure, but we didn't know exactly what was going on yet. Even though, you know, we just got a little hint of Venom in the in the beginning, and I I don't know. There's some episodes that that works for, some that it doesn't, and I don't know. It kind of worked for me in this one, and then. Now, T-Bob's jokes, okay, yeah, they were starting to get annoying, but at least God is irritated with them, too. Right. And to me, it makes it much more watchable when you can essentially side with Scott on these stupid jokes and puns. You know, if it's both of them doing it, you're just like, get me through this episode. (laughs) And it was all T-Bob in the the first half, and I don't know, I, I feel like... It, it was a lot more watchable than some of the other episodes, uh, at least in the first half. <laughs> right. We'll get to the second half now. But, uh, you know, like I said, I was I was down a half point, down to 4.5 for the just the animation that didn't sit well with me. And uh, I was ready to see where it was going. I was going to keep it high until down. So, anyway, <laughs> we fade back up now with the crew still looking down the hole. Right. Hondo ends up basically turning to T-Bob and says, uh, looks like you're going fishing again. And, of course, T-Bob has to reply that he's got his angle. And uh, he walks over to a tree, gets the grappling hooks anchored once again. And then he transforms into scooter mode, which I didn't understand quite why. Then we see Hondo climbing on to T-Bob, getting ready to, what are they doing? Got to, like, water ski down a freaking whirlpool? I, I don't. I didn't catch it, but uh, I didn't have to because uh, while well, well, Hondo jokes that he's going to bait the hook, the next we see Matt surface basically getting spewed out over uh, a cliff, essentially into a pool of water. Whoa! Scott, I'm over here. Dad, you're safe. Just don't ever ask me again to unclog the plumbing. <laughs> but during this time we actually do get to see him float through all these at least a small little canal or something yeah. before getting spewed out of this this cliff um and i still have no idea how they saved him I, if you can if you understood how they saved him Please enlighten me because I, I I don't know what happened. What did Hondo do? I think they were just prepping. Because I, now, I don't know. When up, now when you panned up, you briefly saw T Bob's ropes and they were essentially underwater, but nobody else was up there. So I, I, I still don't know. And then Matt being down below them, he gets punched through the holes or whatever, and then he ends up like on the same level when he gets spewed out, he's like, Hey Scott, I'm over here. Oh, hi dad. I, I <laughs> well, I, I didn't, even I don't know. See, I didn't even see them even get a chance to go, go in the hole or do anything as far as Hondo and Tebow. Yeah. They just sat there. I, I, it's like they were prepping to do whatever they were going to do. The next you see Matt, but they didn't show anything. Yeah. So you see Matt flowing through the canals. And to me, it looked like the cliff 
I mean, it just didn't add up. And I realized we're looking through this for, yeah. through adult eyes. So we, we're trying to figure out the logic and what they were thinking about. But well, as I, a kid, the only thing I you don't put this to, you don't put this together. So for me, this cliff is higher, at least in the cartoon, the animation that they're showing, the cliff is higher at a higher point, and then he's spewed out into a pool that yeah. looks like it's the same where he started from. So I, it didn't didn't make sense to me. And the only thing I can think of is right after this, they do one of those left to right screen wipes. Right to cut back to Matt like a little, a few minutes later after he's rejoined the team and they, they've saved him. And, you know, maybe there was some animation that got screwed up in there that they couldn't add. Cause I don't see many of those just flat out wipes when we're watching the show. No, they always cut to a, a, a building or, or some part of the city, or they usually set up the environment that they're at and then they pan over to the team. They don't do these screen wipes. So that was a little out of place for me. I was like, whoa, what was that? What, did we just miss some footage or something? You know, <laughs> But I don't know. That whole rescuing scene, I still have no idea how they saved him. So anyway. Yeah. So then Matt, basically Matt has to joke, obviously, and says that, that uh, uh, don't ask anyone to unclog the, the plumbing. So then Matt, then looks down and examines the half cannonball that Hondo now has and asks, why would someone cut it and then hollow it out? But it looks like it was done with a fine-tuned state-of-the-art laser. Yeah. There's only one gang of pirates with a weapon of such precision. Venom. And they've been reported in the area. This is a job for Mask. I don't know how he surmises that, but okay. Uh, he eventually just deduces it, it's Venom. And states yeah. there, they... You know what? They've been reported in the area. Well, they're always in the area wherever you are. <laughs> it was it was quick for me too, and I it, well until I actually see them uh, cutting them open later. Uh, at this point, I was like, "How how do you determine that it was a laser? How did you decipher that, right. that they used a laser to hollow this out or cut it or, or I don't know." It didn't, uh, it, you know, and since they were already spotted in the area, well, duh, right. they're always up to something. I don't know. That it didn't. <laughs> another thing didn't sit with me, you know. Right after this whole rescue scene, right, was a downer. But anyway, we now finally get our call up at eleven minutes and twenty six seconds. Um, mm-hmm. and we actually even get a new sound effect when they're flipping through the call ups. Well, the yeah, you know, the number. It was uh, it was almost like he got a OS upgrade because yeah. like the screen, the monitor was different, and the the effects as they flip screens. Uh, you know, it's like he upgraded to the latest version of Android or something. He finally got that OS upgrade. Maybe it's an Apple IIc <laughs> is not an Apple IIa. I don't. Know. Right. I yeah. Know. Right. Whatever. So. Um, but anyway, so we get Dusty with Gator. Personnel selected, Dusty Hayes, auto and marine stunt driver, vehicle code name, Gator. Stunt driving capabilities could be an asset. Uh, and his little running out scene was that he leaves the pepperoni slicer and lays it cutting and we see it pile up eventually. And then we get Hondo, yeah. who the computer says that it's pre-selected. When usually it's Matt that says it. But 
I mean, I didn't put too much into yeah. it, but it was just one of those. And it zipped through his like uh, picture in the you know hurricane. Yeah. And it was really quick. It was. It was really quick. And then we get the actual verbiage, you know, personnel approved, assemble mobile armor strike command. And then we now cut to T-Bob, who is attaching a patch over his right eye. <laughs> and then T-Bob tells Scott to look, then it falls. Ooh, whoops. Uh, this eye patch won't stay. Oh, uh, would you fix it for me, Captain? Sure. Anything to help my first mate. You're lucky. There's bubble gum in here left over from the time your rivets came loose. So he opens this huge uh, compartment, which I didn't know was that big now. Mm-hmm. I, that's his uh, spaghetti toting compartment there that he used before. No, it was bigger. The other one was like a little <laughs> shelf. Now this is like the whole front side of him got pulled apart. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, uh, he ends up finding bubble gum from some other episode, I guess. Uh but he said he used it to fix the rivets that came loose. Great. Yeah, I guess he'd been watching too much MacGyver. <laughs> he's fixing it. He's well, fixing MacGyver was just coming on there, so maybe. <laughs> fixing so, uh, fixing T-Bob with bubble gum. But, uh, so anyway, he ends up saying, get, getting this brilliant idea that it'd make a great cannonball, calling it a bubblegum ball. T-Bob turns around, has Scott press a button, which now opens up a slingshot up above his head. We thankfully get cut back over to the mass team where you know, we actually do some work. And uh, Hondo states that, that when they scanned it on the computer, and that being the cannonball, it came up gold. Captain Kidd's treasure was never found because it's never been lost. Yeah, the captain melted down his gold and coated it with iron to look like cannonballs. Matt, he kind of nods his head in agreement and here's another thing that I wrote down here. Matt had just deduced that from the laser precision. And I, you know, they were talking about, you know, Captain Kidd melted it down and covered it with iron to make it look like cannonball. So this was the point where I was like, Oh, okay. So the precision laser was from cutting them in half, not actually forming it, hollowing it out and all that thing. So I finally put that together uh, right here. But now they start walking through the jungle, and Dusty asks why uh, Captain Kidd would have melted down the gold. Well, when I was practicing the breaststroke underground, I went through a lot of tunnels. Some of them are connected to the ocean. The cannonballs can be forced through the tunnels the same way. And you can bet to a pre-planned location on the beach. I got it now. Good. What? Uh, just then, Scott's bubblegum balls comes flying in right past Matt, kind of scares him, and splats on a nearby tree. Scott says, it works, and Dad always told him to always stick to things. This is where I started rolling my eyes again. And oh, I was like, what shot it? Because was it T-Bob's slingshot, or was it the the cannon? Because really nothing was activated. He was just standing beside him. Right. Um. Well, the bubblegum ball now gives Matt an idea for catching Venom. And he's going to call it Operation Stick'em Up. <laughs> We're now back at the garrison. And uh, Floyd Malloy is now dressed as one of the guards. And he's uh, setting a detonator inside the cannon. 
and says, uh, Captain Kidd's ghost strikes again. Vanessa is in Manta outside. Uh, Malloy gets in. Get us out of here. Right on. Okay, time to disarm Venom's plan. The team grabs some other cannonballs nearby with Dusty saying he wished Scott and T-Bob were there. Uh, he might be the only one that has ever wished that. Uh, but his wish is granted because they are there. Instead of being back at the hotel, enter Thunderhawk's hatchback with a blanket to hide out. Oh, I'd rather be back at the hotel, staying up at the late movie. The only thing I want to watch is Dad surprise Venom. After all, I gave him the idea. Now be quiet. This is This is Scott. This is typical Scott. We head now back to the beach with Venom. Uh, Malloy is using his uh, little laser handsaw now, we see, to uh, cut open the cannonballs. And then Vanessa uses uh, her whip mask to extract the gold part and load it into the trunk of Manta. Whip on! Twelve yesterday and twelve the night before. That makes... 25 gold cannonballs. I really don't know why I involved you in such a brilliant caper. It ought to be brilliant. It was Captain Kidd's idea. Back to mask now. I can hardly wait to help lower Venom's Jolly Roger. Don't worry, Dusty. They'll show themselves right after they fire the cannons. When it comes to gold, their timing's better than a Swiss watch. Painting to the mask vehicles below, we see uh, Scott and T-Bob jumping out of Thunderhawk to a little hiding place in the jungle to watch the battle. Mayhem, via remote, activates the cannons. The cannonballs begin to hit the beach, with Matt keeping a close watch from their makeshift tree stand. Uh, Venom arrives on scene with a nice shot of Malloy's vampire making a landing and then converting from jet mode to motorcycle. He removes his buckshot mask and begins to collect cannonballs. He says he might be getting stronger because the cannonballs seem to be lighter. And we see Dagger pick one up. Now it's time for us to control the situation. Oh! What? What is going on? Boy, T-Bob! Do you see that? Yeah. Venom really knows how to stick together. I didn't know Captain Kidd chewed bubblegum. <laughs> you moron. Somebody switch the cannonballs. He looks in the distance now to see three masked vehicles approaching. Now, this, to me, was the best part of the episode. We uh, are inside Thunderhawk, and Spectrum is lowered on Matt, and then we get a split screen getting their masks. And there's this like lighted effect behind them when the masks are dropped, which I guess was a bit much, but I still like the sequence. I liked it, but uh, and we'll comment about it later. But obviously, there's no command, so that had me quite a bit miffed. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't any command there. We then see a pretty great conversion shot of Thunderhawk. Uh, from a angled like overhead view, and then we see uh, a bouncing hurricane. <laughs> I'm not sure why it seems so rough traveling, but 
uh, I did like the conversion here. And then we get a nice, fun, like, 360 shot uh, from side to side of Gator lowering its roof gun. And then we get this uh, nice sweeping shot of Mayhem close up, complaining that Mask wants to ruin his plans, and he tells the agents to go after them. Right. As Venom races to their vehicles, Matt drops all types of, uh, I'll call it gummy ordinances. Uh, <laughs> instead of, like, legit bombs, we're going to throw gummy worms, basically. <laughs> um, it would be, it would, you know, it would be much cooler if they would have at least shot Pop Rocks, at least have some fun with it. Or maybe, maybe they should and, do your Pepsi, thing. Yeah. Maybe they should do your thing and get Pixie Sticks and Mountain Dew. I ain't gonna let you down on that. Let that down for you in one instant. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a fun experience. If you if you've never tried that, uh, take a warm Mountain Dew and dump a Pixie Stick in there. And uh, not, see what happens. Not in your buddy's car. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Just hold it out the window when you do it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it, all this gummy ordinances, it knocks over a vampire. It nearly glues the doors shut on Manta. Uh, they're prying and prying on Manta's doors, and they finally get all the, the doors like pulled apart. And Vanessa has to say that... Looks like Mayhem gummed up another brilliant caper. And this is where Miles instructs battle mode, so we get the kind of same defense mode, except he calls it battle mode sequence, and we get the same white background flash with the masks lowering. And we then cut to the Venom vehicles transforming with Malloy launching a missile, which attaches to essentially the Gator's radiator. Uh, me being mm. the mechanic-minded, I'm waiting for the coolant to be splashing all over the place, but it didn't happen. <laughs> I guess I'm being too logical. But uh, nonetheless, Well, I was ready for the thing to explode. And well, yeah, it that's just... true. It is a missile. Uh, but anyway, uh, it ends up slowing Dusty down. Dusty asks for help. Give me a hand, Hondo. This guy's trying to slow down my style. Can't give you my hand, but how about my spare? He uses the, I don't know what you call it. It's a spare. Yeah. Uh, it's like the it's, spare it's a, tire, spare cover. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but it's like a discus, but it, it, I don't know yeah. what it really does. Uh, but anyway, the spare knocks the missile off of Gator. Then we're, we cut to the, to the air battle between Thunderhawk and Switchblade, with Matt saying, it's time you saw the light of day. As he pulls this almost airwolf loop with Thunderhawk. Yeah. Um, airwolf called it the hammerhead stall is what they actually called it. But nonetheless, very, it was actually a very, very cool. cool. Yeah, it was a very cool event effect. Then the, he's flying through this laser array that's just pummeling, spraying all over to Thunderhawk. But he's, Matt obviously cleverly dodges every little laser beam. Mm-hmm. Um, and he launches two missiles which look like they actually finally kill off Mayhem and Switchblade. I mean, actually, but good, because you see the huge explosion. But instead, we see that they're flash grenades, which I know that's what he said when he he says that you're going to get a, was it a flash? Or get the light of day, what he says. Mm -hmm. But still, I'm thinking, man, he finally, finally, (laughs) Venom is cut off at the head, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then we get... 
ah. him just pummeling to the ground and not even like he just uh, blinded really is all he is. Yeah, he. I think he says at one point that uh, I must be flying into the sun or something. Yeah, that's what exactly he says. <laughs> and then we see him plumbing to the earth, and then that's when we cut to Vampire and Hurricane. So Vampire swoops in, and Malloy fires his buckshot mask, which shoots these like small round pellets on the ground. It causes uh, Hurricane to spin out of control. Try and get your bearings now. <laughs> You want to get a charge under this? Gator pulling up his grill all shiny and new <laughs> with Dusty giving Vampire a charge from his roof gun. It shocks Malloy and causes the Vampire vehicle to essentially plummet straight down, pretty much destroying the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Malloy runs off with Gator giving chase now and Manta swoops in. Vanessa says, Today's cooking lesson, puree of gator. Which was actually kind of comical. <laughs> and she activates those circular saws that we've seen come out of the grill area of Manta. She swoops in and there's a narrow miss. Gator pulls up alongside Hurricane now with Dusty saying he's going to have a ball with this. And he throws Gator in reverse and then... Hits, uh, hits it forward again and revs the engine and shoots these buckshot balls back up towards Manta with uh, his spinning tires, basically. It's kind of like a burnout, you know. Yeah, basically a burnout. And uh, these buckshot balls, which are apparently made of something, uh, it sh- basically shears off the saws of Manta and causes Vanessa to go into a crash landing. Uh, we quickly are panned over to Scott in his little hiding place in the jungle. Sure wish we could help out. If you think I'm getting involved in that, you've got bees in your bonnet. T-Bob, that's it. Bees in your bonnet. He looks around. He sees a bee's nest hanging from a nearby tree, climbs up and uh, tells T-Bob to get out his cannonball bomber slingshot whatever it is (laughs) t-bob and uh his uh what he calls big mouth uh activate the slingshot and scott shoots the nest directly into manta as uh they are getting back in the vehicle which apparently didn't do much damage after that crash landing uh vanessa drives away then spins it around and the doors fly open and bees are swarming all inside the car and her and uh, Dagger run out of the car. Uh, Mayhem yells, oh no! And he takes off up in uh, Switchblade and converts to jet mode and he's out of there. Uh, I'm not sure why, but... <laughs> What's well, a typical uh, I guess, venom? I guess you know? he... <laughs> you, you, you counter one big hitch and you're out there. You're gone. Yeah, he he must have a fear of bees or something. (laughs) Anyway, so coming to the end scene, Mask pulls up and Matt sees Scott and yells for him. Scott, 
Hope you're not too mad, Dad. I mean, we sort of helped out with the beehive. You sure did, Scott. And that's one sting operation Venom never planned on. The uh, other agents laugh, mainly Hondo, as Scott and T-Bob scratch their heads, either not getting Matt's joke or maybe wondering why he wasn't mad at them. <laughs> right. Then we get this shot of the garrison one more time, and we fade out and right into our PSA. Right, and this is where we are at the beach with Scott telling T-Bob, Let's face it, T-Bob. Robots just can't get a tan. Not true, Scott. I have a secret tanning plan that won't fail. So it will fail, obviously. <laughs> it's T-Bob and his thinking. <laughs> yeah. So we see Scott get up and promptly tell a couple of kids that are playing with a glass bottle, a beer, maybe a clear Pepsi bottle. We know, though. Anyway, so he keeps advising them that it, if uh, they toss it, it could break. And it's hard to see it in the sand. Someone could cut their foot real bad. Yeah, you're right. Broken glass is dangerous on the beach. And the little girl, she agrees with Scott. And then T-Bob walks up and he's <laughs> roller painting tan paint on himself. Robot and tanning this was On. <laughs> <laughs> oh my did you see any similarities to this episode uh nothing that stood out as far as our movie script goes that uh you know I, if i watched this before the <laughs> we wrote the script there was nothing i remember in there no we didn't get that this uh, far. that made it in no we didn't get this far to be honest but you know, there's only no. one that's it's a real uh, reach, but it's the dog fighting that Switchblade and uh, mm. uh, Thunderhawk do, and that's that's a reach. That's the only similarity, but it's really a reach. Yeah, and that puts us to our rating. Uh, mm-hmm. Did yours change at all? It definitely did. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, said I only marked it down a half point at the uh, at our halftime, and uh, I could easily drop it down another couple points. So <laughs> I'm, I'm at the two and a half range and I'll round up and, and give it a three. Um, I, I did like the, just talking about the second half of the episode, the, uh, the vehicle transformations, they were top notch for all the way around, basically uh, Venom and for mask. And I liked, of course, that we got a new agent, I couldn't quite tell what his accent or voice was supposed to be or what they were going for. It sounded like a little maybe New York in there. <laughs> I think there was plenty but, of that uh, in the mix. But I liked, you know, if you remember when we saw Stinger for the first time, they had some really nice transformation sequences of that. And th they seemed to really do that for Vampire in this one, getting uh, that first time where it, transforms back into the motorcycle and then basically the opposite way, I think at the end. So you really got to see how it moves. And I didn't realize that he actually like pulls up on the handlebars at one point during the transformation. Yeah. It's like it um, changes the lever, I guess the lever operation of, you know, bike mm -hmm. mode and then the jet mode to actually be the, the yokes like you would have on an aircraft. It's actually yeah. pretty clever. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really neat detail to put in there. 
And I did like the computer upgrade <laughs> for Matt's, uh, you know, the onboard computer on Thunderhawk. Like I <laughs> joked earlier, it seemed like he got a new OS yeah. for his uh, Boulder Hill computer there. And uh, I even liked the, the sequences between, you know, going from the agent to the vehicle and, and all that. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bad <laughs> rescue should have been better explained visually. You know, I kind of talked about that and I still I don't know what, <laughs> what they were going for uh, exactly with Hondo jumping on the back of T-Bob. And anyway, um, the animation, I think even with the PSA, when Scott walked up there to talk to the kids, it looked like his legs were like five feet long and the rest of them was like two feet. I mean, it was just his proportions were way off when he's standing there talking to the the two kids. So I don't know. I don't know what was going on with this episode and the, the animation, but they, I I'll give them some credit for maybe trying some different angles, but just didn't work for me. Uh, They didn't ever explain how venom found out about the gold in the first place. You know, how did they find out that it was in these cannonballs and uh, how lucky they were that the garrison preserved them after all these years? You know right. what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I would have thought this uh, just a little bit explanation on how the whole situation began and how they got a tip or a map or whatever to figure out that the gold was in there. And I don't know. They, I think they should have showed mask recovering the gold at the end. You know, the vehicles were essentially destroyed and that was another, you know, like in the next scene, they were perfect again. They didn't keep that damage throughout. Right. And, you know, it had been easy for them to crash Manta there and they, uh, you know, jump on one of those cables from switchblade to fly away. And they, pull the gold out of Manta or something, you know, Right. I guess I would have liked to seen that, but, um, and then dusty man, he was on scene real quick. I, it was almost like he was teleported there, you know, <laughs> they called him and I don't know. It seemed like the next, very next scene. Oh, he's here. You know, right. Give me a, give me a transport plane or something just to, just for reference. So I don't know. I, that, just too quick for me. And then a few ticks, uh, the damage. And then there's the goop as well. That was on the vehicles that they set up. Uh, you know, when Matt dropped all that, that bubble gum on them and it was hard to get the doors open. Well, the very next time that they showed the vehicle, it was all gone. So, you know, come up with a clever way to get that stuff off there or, or leave it on there, you know, throughout if they're going to do special scenes you know this is another thing too i'm thinking you know when they're actually drawing the the animation and all that you know this is not they're not like using footage from another episode they're doing it all brand new so why not just keep it on there and keep it throughout i don't know anyway that's just me (laughs) i know it's not a mask episode without scott getting into trouble but could Matt at least scold him a little bit? <laughs> uh, I don't know. The discipline, I guess. I I just and again, it was a different time. I know that we got away with a lot more back then. <laughs> a lot more. Uh, I'm 
and won't stay a, at the hotel. Well, I'm a helicopter parent today. Just and my <laughs> problem is it's what I see on the news. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, I mentioned about hurricane bouncing around. I didn't kind of like that when they were uh, doing the transformation, the jokes did wear on me by the end, mainly because, you know, they brought Scott back into doing them. And then Matt at the end, I was just, it was just a face palm. I was like, I just wish they would have left Scott irritated throughout at least one episode. Right. Let him be irritated with us. You know, I think it would make for a better, (laughs) better overall. Right. Experience, but uh, that's uh, that's what brought me back down to a three. What did you end up rating it? Well, I think I'm going to talk myself down, uh, especially with <laughs> our back and forth. Because originally I was at a a three point five. I was, I was bringing it up a little bit because the animation was great, uh, the transformation, the detail with the transformations was awesome. I didn't think too much about hurricane bumping around. I guess I just thought of it as they were they were actually trying to mimic a bumpy road mm-hmm. um, but i didn't really put too much towards it uh we get to see uh buckshot how it functions which isn't all that elaborate um and i guess in all rights neither is torch because all it is is just a freaking flamethrower that's really all yeah it is. so but still we get to see it function that's which is cool vampire is an awesome looking vehicle uh, just, just in my own opinion, the way they used the canals was to carry all the cannonballs. At least that that little bit that they had, it was a clever idea, but it didn't explain how. Basically, Matt got pushed up yeah. and out yeah. because it just didn't it, it didn't look right. And I realize it's a cartoon. You know, who really cares? Especially since it's aimed at kids, not us. Yeah. But still, looking at it, it just didn't make sense. The white flash, we've already touched on this, but the white flash behind the mask and Venom agents when they're getting their masks, that was actually a very nice touch, but I dinged them because there's no mask commands. Come on, be consistent. Either there <laughs> is or there isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we got to see Whip how it was used and not just like a cracking whip type of uh, function. It actually can lasso and kind of levitate all, if you will, grab it and levitate the gold and put it yeah. in the trunk of, I'm sorry. I was going to say, we had seen that a couple of times before. The one time that comes to mind is, uh, I think it's at a uh, counterclockwise caper when they're at that dam. I think it's Hoover dam and she lassos that guy and, I guess holds so. them up in the air, you know, like a like a. I think I call it a Ghostbusters stream, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they have done so. that. I didn't think it was. I guess maybe I'm in the mindset of it. It's usually a, an electrifying, yeah, jolt, yeah. not a, not a, I don't know, a carrying hand. I don't it, know what do you call well, it. Well, it yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's got a couple of different functions because she uses it as a weapon, but she also can grab onto things. Um, I, a couple other times come to mind now she's on a, I think a rope from switchblade and she uh, uses it to grab something out of an airplane. And the other time is when, remember when uh, 
her and Buddy are battling in that warehouse, and she actually whips him around the neck, and he oh, has to right. use the uh, penetrator to uh, <laughs> get himself untangled, you know? Yeah, that is right. It's, I guess it's, it has been more often than, than not. <laughs> yeah, but she has cracked it, you know, at people and as a kind of threatening them, you know? Right. You kind of touched on this. We get the call up and the team was actually all engaged in the battle. And then it starts just plummeting, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, the damage to the vehicles started out being great because you get to see it actually wrecked. And then they were just like, you know, the General Lee and Kit, they're brand new next to freaking scene. <laughs> uh, indestructible. Yeah. But there was so much wrong with this that, you know, I, I touched on it on the first half. Just things didn't work out. And you hit you hit most of it, actually. But, like, the jokes were starting to wear, even for me. I try to give – I realize it's a character, so I try to give T-Bob the benefit of the doubt. But at, at what point do you just break the camel's back? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Um. The beehive scene, even though it makes sense why how the beehive was used now, I still think that whole scene could have been chopped off. We could have got the transport plane. We could have got a couple, another battle scene or another, some kind of venom jousting at each yes. other, you know, like, like they do with Rax and Vanessa, just something. We could have gotten something better. And to me, they just, they, they took five minutes out of my life that didn't need to be taken. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Um, <laughs> the gold and the cannonball disguise, um, I kind of joked and thought it, thought it was the illusion is the ultimate treasure. Uh, mm. was clever, but again, there was so much wrong with this. The, them running out like they do at the end, I, I, it seems to be commonplace, but come on, bad guys, at least put up a better fight. Again, they could have put up a better fight, but they kept five minutes of that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, like I said, I was at a solid 3.5, not really wanting to round it up to four, but I couldn't get any higher, so I was going to round it anyway. But And I, I voted, but after talking it out with you, three <laughs> is the best I can muster, and I'm, I'm teetering on that. But three, I'll yeah. keep it. So... Uh, okay well we'll agree on that it's somewhere in the middle it's <laughs> there's good there was bad more towards the bad side than than maybe you thought but uh not quite as bad as panda it, express right <laughs> panda, panda power, power yeah yeah i guess i'm thinking of the chinese restaurant <laughs> hungry not really. uh, okay well that's not the greatest let's head over to the poll and uh, we'll try to do a quick recalculation here. Uh, 16 votes this time, which is pretty good because it's been a while since we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got a chance to review this. Uh, six votes for a five. Uh, with yours there, that would be, uh, I think, six votes for a four. And then two threes and two twos so people to make like 16. It. So they liked it more than we did, uh, which is kind of surprising. Right. But, you know, we've said in the, in the past, you know, our rating doesn't really matter too much. You know, it's just sure. our own, our own taste. And, you know, some people 
we've had in the past where we thought it was a great one and we had people saying it was a one or a two. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, Very true. you know, it's, it's actually interesting to welcome and see all these differences of opinion. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just somebody else's flavor. Maybe they like seeing T-Bob in a pirate costume. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we did get one comment from our pal Eric over at Cartoonopolis. Right. He says, once again, we have an unnecessarily complicated plan of Venom's that Mask easily foils. Why didn't Venom just steal the cannonballs from the fort itself instead of drawing attention to themselves by firing them? Obviously, the fort wasn't very secure if Malloy can load the cannons with no one noticing. Also, instead of Mask filling the phony cannonballs with gum, shouldn't they have used something a little more lethal, like, I don't know, explosives? My line is, <laughs> I'm thinking along the same lines there, Eric. And at least to blow up the Venom vehicles. Mask really didn't seem to be trying in this episode. They could have put Venom out of business by blowing up their vehicles and capturing them. And then we'd have no more mask as I digress. And Venom just seemed stupid as usual. It was good to see a new Venom agent and vehicle though, even though Malloy is supremely annoying. (laughs) I want to get his take. Eric, if you're listening, at least is he more annoying than T-Bob? I gotta, I gotta know. (laughs) Uh, he's I like a whiny that. Billy Idol. Interesting. <laughs> and I sure hope he didn't pay good money for that missile. I, I assume it was supposed to destroy Gator rather than just ram into it, right? Kind of an a, abrupt ending, too. It was. And yeah. you, you made some very, very valid points. And uh, I still want an answer, Eric. I want to see if you find T-Bob <laughs> or Malloy annoying. I would probably side that uh, he's not quite as annoying as T Bob. <laughs> just, just, just uh, after Eric's comments from week to week. <laughs> True. Just a reminder to everybody listening: head on over to our website, and I'll put up the uh, the next uh, episode review in the right hand column there with a picture, so you can get in and vote, and also leave a. Review if you'd like to do that. The next episode we will be reviewing is number 46, The Secret of the Stones. Venom learns of a strange stone that contains a power to make objects weightless. It's up to Mask to stop Venom from attaining these powers in a showdown near the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. So uh, we will see how that goes. We're Going from uh, stealing treasure and gold to more of a uh, object, you know, that they like to go after to rule the world. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see it for that one the next time. That'll about wrap it up for this podcast. I do want to reiterate that we're going to try to make an effort to uh, on a more regular basis uh, throughout the rest of 2016, especially with. Uh, the new comics and such coming up. We want to want to take advantage of Mask being back, and uh, I wouldn't say maybe in the spotlight, uh, maybe in the comic book world, but uh, 
you know, obviously we want to be here and we will be uh, doing some more podcasts on once the comics come out and we get a overall taste of the new team and see, uh, see what Brandon Easton has done as far as writing and where they're coming from. Uh, we'll probably get our buddies back in here, Bill and Eric, and we'll see uh, anybody else wants to join us for uh, when these comics come out and uh, we'll review those and try to get through the rest of season five here as we, wow. So we're getting closer and closer to uh, reviewing the whole series. Yeah. Maybe that's a goal we can set is finish up the series here um, before Mm. Christmas, at least before the end of the year. Well, yeah, up through 50. I, I think that's very doable and I would, I would agree. Let's just try to set that goal of, getting through episode 50 by the end of the year. Um, just want to give a shout out to all the fans that have been staying regular with us. Uh, even though we're at least for this year, it seems to be we're kind of few and far between on episodes, but we want to say thank you to all of our fans and uh, especially the fans that are really keeping mask alive. Mm-hmm. You are really helping us fuel Hasbro to do what they're doing to to kind of put their foot in the water with the with the revolution comics and so forth. So if we can make a good effort to show that we are passionate about bringing masks back, that just might catapult us into something else bigger. Whether it's another cartoon series, a movie, who knows what it might bring. Maybe a new toy line uh, at yeah. very minimal. Just something... And that's something I forgot to mention in the and uh, get your mask on was that Hasbro acquired an Irish uh, animation studio just uh, within the last couple months to kind of expand their overall footprint. So uh, I, I saw a couple of uh, fans from Ireland actually comment when I when I posted that story up on the website. And uh, so, I mean, that's very, very possible. I, one of the we- uh, one of the uh, websites online mentioned several properties that Hasbro was going to use that new studio for. One of them was, I think, Transformers and My Little Pony, you know, the usuals. But uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe uh, now that they're a little bit bigger, and if Mass can uh, gain some momentum, like you say and keep the momentum it has uh, leading into these comic books, then who knows? Maybe we can get a new series. So and Maybe this is how they pick out the character uh, Alex's new accent. <laughs> true. <laughs> no one true. knows what it really is. We jokingly kind of think it's a, a joking British mm-hmm. type of, you know, at least a poking fun at, at uh, yeah. the British accent, but uh, who knows? Yep, yeah. But um, I think that does it for us. Again, thank you for joining and tuning in, and we hope to see you next time on MassCast. MassCast. See you later.